Trick or treat. Three simple words used by children once a year to collect candy from their neighbors, their families, and even strangers. Rarely do these words precede dark or violent events. For one man, innocent Halloween traditions have adopted a far more sinister context. Tonight's story is presented as a confession, a plea of forgiveness for past transgressions in dreadful science. There is a field of study unrecognized by the general public, one that exists only on the fringe of society, away from control and regulation. We are the ones who study the unexplained, the irrational, the uncanny, the strange. Our studies lead us to many encounters, some light, others dark. Whether they are reality or fantasy is for you to decide. Just remember, the next time you think you're not alone, or you have that tingly feeling on the back of your neck, you're now experiencing something we call dreadful science. I used to love Halloween when I was young. Every year, my twin sister Eve and I would go all out with our costumes. Dinosaurs, Power Rangers, whatever was popular at the time, we probably wore it. Of course, our parents couldn't afford to buy those expensive costumes that our neighbors had or anything, but um, our mom made them for us, you know, her in her own way. And to be honest with you, I think we were more proud to wear those than anything she could have bought from a store. Now, I think it's important to mention that my sister and I were fraternal twins and not identical. She had dark hair, I have blonde hair. She had green eyes and mine are blue. Despite having many of the same interests, we, we were always competing against each other and oftentimes we couldn't be more different. This led to, well, this led us to doing some fairly reckless things. One Halloween, we were about 10 years old and our reckless activities would change the course of our lives forever. In previous years for trick-or-treating, at least one, if not both, of our parents would join us. But that year, neither one of them could make it for some reason. I don't even remember. Um, but, our, but our babysitter joined us. I do remember that. And looking back now, I'm not sure it would have made much difference who chaperoned. Either way, I know it in my heart that Eve would still be dead. Maybe it was because we were another year older, or maybe because our parents weren't around. But, um, for whatever reason, Eve really wanted to go beyond our usual route. She wanted to try the house at the end of our street. I did my best to talk her out of it. I knew what house she was talking about. And everyone on the school bus talked about it every morning. We drove by it all the time. That's old Skinny's house, some of the kids on the bus had said. Old Skinny was the neighborhood nickname for a gaunt, elderly veteran named Oliver Skinner, who lived in that house for as long as even our parents could remember. He mostly kept to himself ever since his wife had passed. The only time anyone in the neighborhood would see Old Skinny was when he would drive to the American Legion to drink in silence while other members shot the breeze. Aside from those visits, Skinner would 
make monthly trips in his 1985 Chevy pickup to the corner store and buy cases of canned food and beer. But these are not the things he became known for. His immediate neighbors would say they rarely saw a light inside the house, but they would complain of an incessant pounding noise. The sound of a metal hammer hitting metal. Old Skinny would hammer for hours and hours every single day, from dusk until dawn. No one knew for sure what he was working on, but all us neighborhood kids <laughs> knew it was something nefarious. Some of the townspeople think he neglected his wife because he would go pound on his metal all day long, but our dad thought that old Skinny didn't begin his daily tasks until after his wife had passed. Whatever the case, neighborhood kids were instructed to avoid old Skinny's house and the old man himself at all costs. So naturally, Eve was doing her best to convince me that it would be a great idea to trick-or-treat at Old Skinny's. Come on, Eric, she would say. It'll be fun. Our end of the street was filled with kids during trick-or-treat. It wasn't too hard for us to ditch the babysitter who was busy flirting with one of our friend's older brothers. Let's go! Eve took my hand and pulled me through the crowd of costumed children until we were out of sight. My costumed dragon wings would occasionally smack kids in the face passing by. The only thing that stuck out on Eve's costume were her pointy elf ears, but they were anything but bulky. Even if they had been, nothing was slowing her down tonight. To get to Old Skinny's house, we had to pass a house on the curve, where Lady Anne, the neighborhood busybody, lived. She made it her business to know the whereabouts of every soul on the lane, and that included us. I had no doubt in my mind that Lady Anne would be aware that a babysitter had taken my sister and I trick-or-treating that night instead of our parents. And if she saw us alone, she would do everything she could to stop us. As we approached Lady Anne's front porch, I could see she was passing out candy to a pair of kids dressed as little bears. Eve. I whispered to my sister softly. Lady Anne, she'll see us. Eve ducked behind a shrub and motioned for me to do the same. Then she put her finger to her lips and looked at me sternly. It was a warning for me not to mess up her Halloween adventure that I was so reluctantly joining. We sat silently and watched the two little bears skip off with their candy. Lady Anne smiled after them and waved. Sweat was dripping down the back of my homemade dragon suit. Eve, I started, but she immediately shushed me again. I looked back toward Lady Anne, who was staring across the street at our bush. I could have sworn she could see me, or at least my neon green dragon wings. It's someone there, I remember her calling. We waited on bated breath, praying she wouldn't feel the need to investigate further. As she started down the steps of her front porch... A group of kids in various costumes approached her chanting, Trick or treat! Hello! She greeted them and stepped back toward her bucket of candy. We used that as our opportunity to slink around the curve and out of her line of sight. We were almost to the end of the street now. It was a dead-end road bordered by a nature preserve. All forms of wildlife would emerge from that dark forest. My dad claims he saw a bobcat one winter, but the most exotic animal my ten-year-old eyes had seen in that wood 
was a rabbit. Still, there was something foreboding and unnatural about how black the woodline was at night, especially when considering it was old Skinny's house that sat right in front of those blackened trees. Eve smiled at me as she crossed the street to old Skinny's house. The peeling white paint looked different at night, almost as if the house were dissolving into darkness. There were no lights on inside, but we could hear the metal pounding sound from somewhere within. I remember Eve claiming we should catch him just after dusk when he would be finishing his work, and that having trick-or-treaters would be a nice surprise for him. He'll be so surprised, she said, that he'll give us all of his candy and none of the other kids will have any. Eve had a habit of seeing the best in people, no matter who they were or what they'd done. That held true as well for old Skinny. As much as she liked to play along with all of us as we shared our ghost stories about the very skinny old man, she would remain silent. I could tell that she hoped none of those were true. It was hard not to believe them, though, as even the adults had rumors about old Skinny's past. You see, Oliver Skinner, as I mentioned, was a veteran, and when he was in the military, he was discharged over some pretty reckless violent behavior, even before he joined the military. He was known as a, a bully and a ruffian. And that's why when he settled down in our little neighborhood and his wife ended up dead, suspicions arose. Though no one could ever prove anything or find any evidence to his guilt, most people still suspected that old Skinny had done away with his wife somehow, some way. And maybe that's why I was more concerned about getting caught than I was how much candy old Skinny had lying around his house or whether he was a nice guy or not. Besides, I thought the candy would probably be old and moldy or just be the kind of candy that only old people liked, and I told her so. She didn't care what kind of candy old Skinny had. She wanted the bragging rights of surviving an encounter with old Skinny. And she had a point. Most of the kids would be in awe of us, and any attempts from bullies to mess with us would all but vanish overnight. Not that Eve tolerated anyone bullying either one of us to begin with, as I tried to convince her this house was too damn scary and the plan would fail, she was trying to convince me that her plan was still sound, both of us were suddenly distracted by something, or rather the lack of something. The pounding had stopped. Slowly, we turned our heads toward the front door. To my surprise, the front door was wide open. Had it been open a minute ago when we got there? My mind started reeling, my heart pounding through my ribcage trying to bust out. Eve! I was tugging on her handmade elven cloak. I don't like this, Eve! Ignoring me, she stepped to the crooked gate that separated us from the dissolving house. Hello! She yelled into the dark opening. I immediately tried to shush her and pull her away, but she wouldn't have any of my fear. Hello, Mr. Skinny! There was no response from within. We're here for candy! I was shaking in my green spray-painted tennis shoes. Eve, please! Trick or treat! Again, no response to her calls. Eve began climbing the staircase toward the front door. What are you doing? Let's go! Mr. Skinny, trick or treat! Eve was almost to the doorway now. Petrified, I couldn't bring myself to follow her even as she disappeared beyond the threshold and into the blackened void. Eve? My dragon wings rustled louder the more I shivered with terror. Come on, Eric. You can do this. I took a step forward. Nothing happened. Then I took another. Still nothing. 
With every step I gained a sliver of courage until I, too, stood before the blackened void that masqueraded as a house. Eve? I whispered into the darkness before finally closing my eyes and stepping into the house. Being the resourceful kids that we were, we did in fact have a flashlight with us when going trick-or-treating. This was partly to appease our parents who insisted we carry one for emergencies and safety, but uh, it was also perfect for playing around in between houses or just plain trying to scare each other. The only problem was, Eve had the flashlight, and I did not. Blindly, I flailed my hands helplessly trying to determine my surroundings. The house was cold, much colder than a house should be on October the 31st. I was sure if there was light in this room, I would see my breath. It was silent, too, save for the sounds of my sneakers landing perfectly on every squeaky board in the floor. After bumping into countless walls and other obstacles, I did manage to find a doorway into another room, somewhere even colder than the last. There was one perk to this room, however, and that was a dim bluish light from the moon outside, which made it a little easier to move around. The floor was still bathed in darkness, but I could now at least see some general shapes, including my breath. I squinted as hard as I could to discern any objects from the moonlit darkness. What I saw in this room surprised me. It was quite a large room, big enough for two short but long rectangular tables with enough room for a person to walk all the way around them and in between them. On top of each table sat a long metal box. A coffin-shaped box. Stunned, I stared at the metal coffins for a moment. One lid was closed, and the other lay at a diagonal across the box itself. Slowly, I crept over to the opened casket and peered inside. It was empty. I'm not entirely sure what I expected to find, but I was relieved to find it empty. My relief was short-lived, though, as I then wondered what was in the other coffin, the one with the lid closed, the one that was now behind me. Carefully, I turned to face the other metal coffin. As I touched the side of the box, I found it to be very coarse and peeling, as if it were completely rusted. Despite my better judgment, I had to know what was inside this coffin. My ten-year-old hands pushed as hard as they could until I had slid the lid over just enough to look inside. My poor dragon costume was soaked on the inside from all of my nervous sweating. My hands were also wet from sweat, but now they felt a new, moist warmth. Once the lid was moved, I lifted my hands to the light. There were cuts across my palms from the sharp edges of the metal lid. After a deep, courage-giving breath, I looked inside the box. Nothing. I could see... nothing. Only darkness. Just as I turned to walk away, I smelled something. The first thing that came to mind was my grandfather's old footlocker that sat in my parents' basement. It had a musty scent to it that was accompanied by the mothballs my mother had set inside. I knew it couldn't be my grandfather's footlocker because this was not my house. This was old Skinny's house. I took another look into the box. 
this time, I could have sworn I could see the outlines of a... Suddenly, something grabbed me from behind. I jumped and yelled uncontrollably. I spun quickly, smacking whatever it was with my dragon wings. I heard an owl in reply. It was Eve. Eve, what are you doing? We need to go. I remember Eve laughing so hard her eyes started to well up and overflow with happy tears. Gotcha, she said between her giggles. I'm sure I said a few that's not funny type comments. I'm sure I was redder than a fire hydrant too and ready to go home with the candy I already had. I didn't need the big score Eve promised me at Old Skinny's house. I picked up my candy bucket and turned back to Eve. Now can we go home? I stopped when I saw her face. She was as pale as a sheet and staring at the coffin behind me. The one I had just opened. The one I thought, maybe. I saw something inside. Eve's flashlight created a near-perfect white line that led to the shadows behind me. As I turned slowly, both my jaw and my candy bucket dropped to the floor. In the pale light of Eve's flashlight, I could see him. There was old Skinny, sitting upright in the coffin, staring at us. Even in the dim light, his eyes were piercing. Before I knew it, his hands were clutching my shoulders. He said in his gravelly, abused voice, even I both screamed at the top of our lungs. She began to run, and I squirmed and tried to wriggle myself free. All the while, old Skinny laughed. He laughed maniacally at us. Eve! I called her for help. Quickly, she ran back to me and started hitting old Skinny's arms with her fists and flashlight. He continued to laugh. Then, Eve bit the old man on the hand. The hounds of hell couldn't howl like he did. Old Skinny let go of both of my shoulders as he swung back in pain. Somehow, I had made it to the doorway before Eve. When I turned around to look for her, I, I saw where she was headed. Behind the coffin, Old Skinny was screaming in, were our candy buckets. They must have rolled into the corner during the struggle. Leave it, Eve! Come on! Eve stopped in her tracks and yelled back at me. But it's trick or treat, Eric! And as she said that, Old Skinny had turned his attention on her. Was what I remember him growling as he reached for Eve, but before his mangled hand could reach her, the rusted metal lid from the coffin slid toward her and then through her. I watched in utter horror as my sister's lifeless body collapsed to the ground with a sudden and definite thump. Old Skinny seemed equally shocked at Eve's abrupt end. When he turned to face me, I immediately ran back through the dark front room and out the still-opened front door into the street. Much of what happened next is still a bit of a blur to me, but here is a summation of the events as they were told to me secondhand and what little fragments of memory I can muster. Lady Anne had heard our screams prior to my sister's death. She and a couple of the other neighborhood parents were coming up the street as I was entering it. They were the ones that rushed into the house and subdued Old Skinny until the police arrived. I had to give a testimony at the hearing, and it was a little bit different from what I recounted here for you. I explained that Old Skinny had lured us inside with candy, and that he had made those coffins to put us in once he'd killed us. The defense claimed that Mr. Skinner was a kind and honest man who had no intention of doing any of these things, and that the boxes were in fact not coffins, but storage containers he had made from scrap metal. He continued that we, Eve and I, had broken into Mr. Skinner's house in the dark, and that Mr. Skinner was trying to play a Halloween prank on us by scaring us, and everything got out of hand. 
After much delegation, Mr. Skinner's violent history from his time before, during, and after the war all played factors in the court's decision. Mr. Skinner was sent to prison because I had lied to the court, and I had lied to myself. At the time, my reason for lying had nothing to do with Mr. Skinner. It was purely because I believed that Eve's death was my fault, and I was afraid to face the consequences. Frankly, I still feel this way. If I hadn't gone along with Eve's idea to go trick-or-treating at Mr. Skinner's house in the first place, maybe her death could have been avoided. Even if we still had gone into that house, I, I should have never stopped to open that coffin. I wouldn't have set my candy down. It wouldn't have rolled across the room. The lid wouldn't have been unbalanced. I should have never called over to her when she went for the candy. She could have grabbed the candy and been out of the way of the lid once old Skinny leapt toward her. She could have gotten out of there. Her death was my fault. Despite what my therapist, my wife, my friends, and family continued to tell me, I know the truth. I was responsible for Eve's safety just as much as she was for mine. We were a team. We were best friends. And because of my actions, our adventures were cut short. This Halloween marks 20 years since that awful night. And every night since then, when I lay down to sleep, I can hear the faint metal pounding of old Skinny's hammer every single night. And even though the guilt from that night still haunts me, I was spared any other kinds of haunting. That is, until yesterday. Last night I was home alone after a long day at work. My wife had taken the kids to their grandparents for a little Halloween get-together. I was supposed to join them after I got off, but I wanted to shower at home first. When I stepped out of the shower, I looked over to the bathroom mirror, and written in the steam-covered glass were the following words. He's coming, Eric. And I couldn't sleep. Those words shook me. He's coming, Eric. And now it came as a voice, and I'm sure I know whose voice it is. It is the voice of Eve. She's come back to warn me. She has forgiven me after all. All these years of blaming myself for her death, I overlooked the hard truth. Old Skinny must have heard us outside that night yelling trick-or-treat. He really had just tried to scare us in his own fun-loving way. That's why he was so shocked that night. He had no intention of harming either of us. Just like the defense attorney had claimed. But thanks to me, he had years of sitting and waiting in his prison cell. Undoubtedly rethinking those events every bit as much as I have. Except he blamed me too for all of it. And now in death, he has come to exact his revenge. I have recorded this confession just in case I am right and the specters of my youth are coming for me. If I am wrong, then you'll likely never hear this and I can finally live the life I've always wanted, free of my guilt. But if you are listening to this, then there's one last warning I need you to hear. You see, old Skinny doesn't like liars. He doesn't like when you hurt people, on purpose or otherwise. I'm afraid if he does exact his revenge on me, that it may not be enough for him. You know how vengeful spirits are. So, if your lies or actions ever hurt someone, on purpose or not, listen close for old Skinny's pounding hammer. You might be next on his list this hallowed eve.
Time is known to heal many wounds, but they can only be healed if we are willing to put in some work ourselves. Eric's warning, as dramatic as it may seem, should be heeded by all who listen. You never know when you, too, may need forgiveness to free yourself from the deadly grip of dreadful science. Thanks for listening to our premiere episode of Dreadful Science. Our next episode will be in two weeks, and every two weeks from here on out. In the meantime, please check out our other podcast, And Now the Movie, which has new episodes premiering this week.